Welcome to Our Scars Speak. My name is Christina Miner, and I am the host of this podcast. Before we begin this episode, we would like to provide our disclaimer. We are not claiming to be medical professionals or any other professional providing advice regarding your treatment plan. We encourage everyone to follow their doctor's orders. We are only here to share our experiences and provide support. Tonight, we have Lenarda Brown. I'm so excited to have her up here. We were at an event together. Um, I think it was Laughter in the Rain. That's and correct. She came up to me and I was like, she was like, do you remember me from Facebook? And I was like, oh my God, Instagram. Um, face looks familiar. And then she explained, she just tell me how much I've encouraged her. And you know, you meet so many different people on social media. But then I went and I was like, oh, I do remember. I remember her because what stuck out awesome is that you were an AKA. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So when she approached me, I was like, I have got to get her on because you were just so full of light. So I just thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you, Christina. Um, I am excited to be a guest on your show this evening. And I just want to thank you for affording me and other survivors with a platform to really share our breast cancer journey. You know, as you know, we've already overcome the most biggest hurdle in our life dealing with breast cancer, but there's still so many side effects post breast mm -hmm. cancer. And I believe what you're doing here is more so of a ministry and it allows survivors and newly diagnosed persons and also those that support us to really mm -hmm. gain education and insight about this horrible disease. So again, thank you. Oh my God, you about to make me cry right out the gate. Okay. I cry, I got so I cry all the time. But no, I thank you so much for even noticing that because that was one of the reasons why I know that God gave me this was because a lot of times, as you know, when you go on interviews and different things, it's, it's short sometimes because they have to get straight to the point of what they're interviewing about. And I wanted this to be a safe space for people to just come on and really share their story. And some people are like, well, how long is it going to be? And my thing is, you know, it could be as long as you want it to be, really, because this is your story. So I, I thank mm -hmm. you for even saying yes and entrusting me to guide you through this process, which you're not going to have a problem with at all because you are just brilliant at everything that you do. <laughs> um, thank but you. thank you so much. So for everyone who's watching, um, Lenarda, can you tell us who you are? I know you have a lot of hats that you wear. You know, you're in um, a sorority that is well, well known and highly recognized, but please share with us who you are. How do you describe yourself? I am a 48 year old survivor. I celebrated my first cancerversary July 5th, 2023. So I'm almost at year two. I'm a woman of great faith. I'm a mother to two beautiful children. My daughter Paris is 25, my son Aiden, he's 10 years old. I'm a 1998 graduate of Johnson C. Smith University okay. in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I obtained a BA degree in political science with a minor in criminal justice. So I've spent the majority of my professional career in big law. I am currently employed as a diversity and inclusion specialist at McGuire Woods. And I enjoy spending time with my family and my friends shopping, exercising, bowling, you know, just to name a few. But there's something that I want to share at this moment. Mm -hmm. During my breast cancer journey, mm -hmm. I was able to fulfill a lifetime dream of mine. And that dream was I was initiated into the first intercollegiate, mm -hmm. historically African-American sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Zai Upsilon Omega chapter in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So that meant a lot to me because mm -hmm. a diagnosis that really could have rocked my world because I was diagnosed April 13, 2022. I was initiated June 5th, 2022. Mm -hmm. So through it all, I refused to allow my diagnosis to stand in the way of my goals, my dreams, and my aspirations. I love it. And I, for some, some people may not know, but you know, sororities, fraternities, it takes a lot. You have to do a lot, to, you know, to be yeah. a part and for you to go through that 
while you were, you know, diagnosed, gone through treatment, that says a lot in itself because some people don't understand the magnitude of treatment and some people don't understand the magnitude of being part of or getting into becoming a member part of the sorority that you are part of. And I, you know, I, I just, I never joined a Greek <laughs> uh, sorority, but I have always given the highest praise um, to them because they are just magnificent. And I see the things that you all do in the community yes. and it should always be recognized. So that's why I want to make for sure on your flyer that it definitely stated that I knew you're a survivor, but I want to make for sure that was in, incorporated as well. So thank you for sharing that part as well. So life before breast cancer, what was life like for you? Like what was going on? So, of course. So life for me before breast cancer, full-time mom. Mm -hmm. Worked a full-time job, exercised quite frequently. I could run five miles a day. You know, I ate healthy. I would travel, you know, spend time with family and friends, um, just a normal life, you know, and with me eating healthy, I never saw breast cancer being a part of my future. Right. So did you have like a family history of breast cancer? Anybody in your family have breast cancer? My maternal grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer in the left breast um, later in life. She did not pass from breast cancer. And my paternal aunt, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in her left breast. My grandmother had a mastectomy. My aunt had a lumpectomy, but my aunt's still here. There was like no other people in my family with breast cancer. So this was very shocking to me. Mm. So was there any other other cancers though, is there prostate cancer? Cause I know some of them can be linked through, you know, genetics. No prostate cancer. My wow. great grandmother had a form of stomach cancer, mm -hmm. but that was it. That was it. So before we even get into how you found it, I would want to ask this question. So I won't forget. Did you have the genetic testing done? Yes. I had genetic testing done in May. Okay. And um, that was at the onset of my doctor, you mm -hmm. know, knowing that I was young, I was 46 at the time when I was diagnosed. So she wanted to make sure okay. my children were not affected. So that was one of the tests that she ordered early on. Okay. Do, and so. did it come back negative? It came back negative. Next yes. question. Is she going to continue to follow up with that test every about five to seven years? Is she going to do another one? Yes, I, okay. I can truly say I prayed for a great medical team mm -hmm. that would support me, encourage me and love me as their own. And Christina, I received that. Good, good. I received that. So I, I know during that journey, they ordered tests for mm -hmm. me and encouraged me as if they would have encouraged their own family member. And, that and that's- yeah, that's a good point because I know for me, I, I was like, look, you tell me what you think, but also treat me as if I'm your mama. Yes. You know, I, I had a pretty good chance if it was the mama. I was like, treat me as your mama because <laughs> if I say yourself, you might not treat me that well or your sister or whatever. I don't know the dynamics. Could be the same for the mom, but I knew how my doctor felt about her mother and her mother had gone through breast cancer. And you do, you're right. You, you need to pray that. Like, can you please, Lord, give me someone who is, who will treat me like family and good family. Um, so that's good. I'm glad they um, followed up with you because a lot of people I'm finding do not know that even though they showed up negative for that genetic testing, that in five, when the ch panel changes about every five to seven years, they should get retested because there may be a new mutation out there genetic that we may have actually, um, which I'm not claiming, but still, you know, it's yes. good to get tested. So how did you even discover, did you discover a lump? Share with us how you even came about this diagnosis, because if I'm not mistaken, you were getting your mammograms every year, correct? Yes. My last mammogram was October 27th in 2021. Mm -hmm. So in mid-February, I was taking a shower and I decided to do a self-home check and I felt the lump in my left breast. And so when I got out of the shower, I immediately went to my window, my mirror, and mm -hmm. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm feeling, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm 46, perimenopausal, you know, this could be something um, to do with my menstrual cycle. So 
let me just make sure I'm feeling what I thought I felt. And it was there. And it resembled a ball that you would get out of the gumball machine. And so I then began to check the right breast to see if it was the same and it wasn't there. But I will say to you in that moment, mm -hmm. did it cross my mind whether or not it was cancer? It did. But okay. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, God, whatever it is, I am going to trust you because mm -hmm. it is beyond my control. Mm -hmm. And I carry that with me every day of my life because whatever it was, I couldn't do anything about it. Right. But I know where my faith was. Mm -hmm. And I knew that God would heal me. And that is what I asked to heal me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Faith to take you a long way. Even, you know, some people are like, well, did you have moments where you cried? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. I went through every emotion possible. Yes. But one thing remained, remained the same was his word. And yes. we lean upon that and we, we walk by faith. So yes, thank you for sharing your faith with us as well. So when you found the lump and did you have any other symptoms? Was there any other like dimpling, inverted nipples? That was That's the thing. I had no symptoms, mm. no nipple discharge, no inverted nipples, no pain, no redness, none of that. Wow. So this was strange for me. Right. So that was mid-February. So I decided that I was going to monitor it for a while. And then in March, mm -hmm. I went in for a breast exam. And I met with my OBGYN and I pointed out the area where I felt the lump. And it was at that point, you know, he examined me and he said, well, you know, it feels more glandier, but I need to be sure. But in the interim, I'm, I'm going to give you an A plus because you're doing what you need to do at home. Right. Right. So. Wow. Um, so, well, that makes sense because of the shape of it. He probably did think that it was like a gland or lip, mm -hmm. you know, lip note or whatever. Um, so he did do a follow-up with you. So he did the, what were the next steps that he told you to do? So my next steps were, um, he scheduled me for a breast ultrasound. Okay. And oh. so, you know, we're on the heels of COVID, so it's hard to get an appointment. So in April, I went in for a breast ultrasound. And so they started off by doing another mammogram. They had all of my film from the past years of, you know, me being here. I've been here for about five years. So they had all of my film over time span. Oh, good. We those. We did a breast ultrasound. And I just remember the radiologist just focusing on that particular area. And I just felt she was taking too long. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I knew it was something. So when the doctor came in and he's like, Lenarda, can you show me exactly where you felt the lump? Mm -hmm. And I showed him and, you know, I could see them looking on the screen and I'm like, yeah, it's something. It's something. Yeah. And so then I heard you know what, it is a mass Lenarda and we need to do a biopsy. Mm. But they acted fast because I had my biopsy done that very same day. Really? Yeah, it was a Friday. I had the biopsy done immediately thereafter. They made wow. a few phone calls to mm -hmm. get approval and they had me back into the exam room so that we could do the biopsy. Wow, yeah, that is fast. Cause usually it's like with maybe within the week but it's not- usually the same day. So that's, if you don't, now you may not want to share and that's fine, but where did you go get to, for your treatment? Johnson Willis. Okay. Imaging center there. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's good to know because some people are looking for second opinions and it seemed like your team is obviously very good at what they do. So I like to definitely um, share information like that if the guests are willing to. So you did your biopsy and- yes. Because I already told you, you had a mass. Yes. What happened next after the box? So be obvious. We waited. Mm -hmm. I was scheduled April 13th to go in and have my results read by Dr. Keller. Okay. And I went in and they called me. I had my sister with me. Um, they took us into a small conference room mm -hmm. and there was a nurse navigator sitting right there, Doris, next to Dr. Keller. And 
you know, she pulls out her report and, you know, she says, well, Leonardo, we have your results back and you have stage two invasive ductal carcinoma. And in that moment, I just, I looked, I just stared at her and I said, okay. And so here I have my youngest sister that's supposed to be my support. She's falling apart. And I just remember looking at her and saying, it's going to be okay. Right. I'm going to get through this. So mm -hmm. even after hearing that I have stage two breast cancer, mm -hmm. the only question I had for Dr. Keller was, what size is the tumor? Mm. Now, I don't know, many people may say, why is she so concerned about that? She's not concerned about cancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I really had not studied much about stages, right. but I knew at that point, having the, that size of that tumor, it meant something it, with respect to me having stage two breast cancer. Right. But again, I just chopped it up because I said, okay, you know, God's got me. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do anything about it. And, you know, the next step, they had already scheduled me for a 315 appointment with a breast surgeon. So I was giving wow. this pamphlet mm -hmm. and, you know, all of these little green flags. Um, the nurse navigator had already flagged everything that was relevant to my type of cancer, different mm -hmm. questions to ask when I meet with my surgeon. So we left out, mm -hmm. so we came back to my house. And so, you know, I had my mother that lived out of state that was, that was waiting to hear the results right. and my daughter that was here, that was waiting to hear the results. So, you know, it was that moment where I had to break the news to both of them. Mm -hmm. And I remember it so vividly, my mother being in Sam's club and I'm like, well, no mom, I'll call you back. And then mm -hmm. her telling me, no, I need to know what's going on with you. Right. And then me sharing that news and her having her moment and mm -hmm. me saying, wait, pause, hold up. I don't want a pity party. Mm -hmm. I'm going to beat this. We're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it resonated later that that was my mother. And yeah. I've never had to experience my daughter telling me she's now been diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. So I had to go back to my mother, you know, and let her know. I, I know I reacted the way I reacted, but I don't know how you feel. And I hope to never know how you feel, right. but you have every right to feel the way you feel. Um, after that, we went over to um, my breast surgeon is Dr. Diane Cox. We went over to Dr. Cox's office. And at that time, we spoke about the type of cancer that I had. We talked about the different treatment options. Um, she had a full diagram based upon, you know, the results, whether I'm leaning towards chemotherapy or if it's just straight, you know, we can go, you can do a lumpectomy and do radiation or do a mastectomy. And so we also talked about me being so young. Mm -hmm. When I started birth control, when I had my children, you know, um, all of those things were important mm -hmm. because, you know, we know that breast cancer is estrogen driven, it's hormonal. So mm -hmm. we had that conversation. And at that point, she says, because you're so young, I really want to schedule you for an MRI. And that is at the time when she scheduled me for genetics testing as well. So the very next week I went in for genetics testing. And then a couple of days later, I went in for my MRI. Okay. And the next step was meeting back with her maybe a week later for those results. And it was at that appointment that the MRI revealed that there was a second spot in the lower left quadrant of my left breast. Mm. My right breast was behaving well but not my left breast. So the only thing I could think of at that time, Christina, and I asked this question, if I had had a mammogram in October mm -hmm. of the following year, the previous year, and now here it is in February, I'm being told, I'm, I found a lump, and then a month later, I'm being told I'm diagnosed with breast cancer. Could that 
tumor had been present in October. My results have always been normal. You have dense breast tissue. Mm -hmm. I, I've always had my reports go to my primary care physician as well as my OBGYN. So right. there was never, ever a conversation regarding the dense breast tissue that mm -hmm. I needed additional testing. And mm -hmm. we know that dense breast tissue, it appears white and so does cancer. Right. So that is something that I tell everybody I come into contact with. If you have dense breast tissue, advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. A regular mammogram is not going to get it. It's possible a 3D mammogram won't get it but a breast ultrasound and an MRI will get it. And that's very important. Um, now, thank goodness, laws have changed, but now the battle's insurance companies. So it's like, you can, you know, they have to tell you about density. It used to be, they didn't always tell you or they told you and just kind of, like you said, glazed over it. But now they do have to offer further testing. They're supposed to, yes. you have the right to have it. But the insurance company, may or may not pay for that testing. So it's important to have a conversation with the doctor to see if they can, you know, help you with the coding process, um, you know, yes. the coding with the insurance company to get that extra testing because you're exactly, you're 100% right. And there's different levels to the density of our breast. And it's like uh, level three and level four, like the, where you can't pretty much see anything. Um, but you're right. If there's any any spoken word of density, make for sure you advocate. Yes. Yes. Because it, def it definitely could have been there. I mean, I'm considering it was a whole a lump and your testing was so close together. And it was growing yeah. at the pace of a snail. So it oh, wasn't okay. growing rapidly. Okay. So that was, you know, the reason why I questioned, could it had been there? Mm -hmm. Because now we're at like, you know, a stage two. Right. But- because it could have been there for years. Because I think by the time it actually forms as a lump, it can be years. Five, yes, almost like years. five years. Yeah, five to 10. I mean, mm -hmm. it depending on how fast it grows. Yeah. So yeah, it's so interesting how once we become knowledgeable that we have cancer, it's like we become like just learning as much as possible because we don't okay. want anyone to go through what we've been through. Or if they have to, we want to be able to, kind of give them some information, some knowledge that we may have not, you know, had privy to prior to. So, um, so with that being said, with your mom, that, wow, that almost made me cry because I think for us and a lot of, you can agree or disagree, but when you're in the moment of, okay, I got to fight now, it's sort of like everything else. You become very tunnel vision, like, okay, I got to stick to my plan. I got to focus on God. I got to stick to what he's telling me to do. And you don't mean to be, because at the time it may sound kind of rude to other people who are trying to love on you, but that vulnerability piece, especially when you're, you've been strong for so long and helped because mm -hmm. you seem like this person, you know, you've been strong and helping people and, you know, being that that person, been my life. Yep. That person that people come to and now things have flipped, but yet you're trying to hold on to, I don't have control. God has control, but I still got to focus. So I can't have what I am deeming to be not necessarily negative, but anything that can make me like come down from yes. where I'm at. But at the same time, like you stated later, you realize like my mother meant no harm in that, you know, no one means harm in it. And for a caregiver, it can be, it can be difficult for them. I feel sorry. <laughs> I know for mine, oh God, I was a mess. But <laughs> But, you know, I was just because I was trying to fight and I wasn't really paying attention to some of the things I was saying. So yeah. I think just for you to say that you even went back and apologized to your mom, because you obviously have a very good support system. Yes. Um, that was that was good in itself. And I'm sure it was comforting to her. Yes. So but it was at that appointment, Christina, mm -hmm. that um, I made the decision that I was going to have a double mastectomy. Double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. um, and I made that decision because for one, I was young. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to put my body through this again. And I definitely did not want to put my children or my family through it. Right. So I felt if I took that route, it would lower the recurrence rate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I spent the entire month of June, you know, doing post-op, um, pre, well, pre-op testing, um, pre-op consultations, because I elected to do a reconstruction immediately after surgery. 
Okay. And um, so we fast forward to June, June 23rd, I went in for nipple sparing, bilateral nipple sparing and a lymphocentigraphy where they removed the parent lymph nodes to test them to see whether or not the cancer had spread mm-hmm. and it had not spread anywhere. So July 5th, I went in for my double mastectomy and um, reconstruction. And um, that was the end of that part of the journey. So I'm now in recovery mode. I am going to see my plastic surgeon every week, you know, to get my tissue expanders filled. Mm -hmm. And um, fast forward to September, I had my last visit with my plastic surgeon. I was to go to next week so that he could release me for radiation. And my tumor came back. I had a positive tumor margin. Mm -hmm. So we discussed radiation. And so, but of course I couldn't start that until I was done with the tissue expander fills. And because I've examined my body so well, and um, especially during this journey, I really, really paid attention. September 21st, that night when I got ready to shower, I noticed something different about my left breast. It just did not look the same. Um, There was a little bit of oozing, but I had no fever. I had no chills. I had nothing that indicated I had an infection. So the very next morning I called my plastic surgeon. Um, I went in and they did a culture and, you know, just from the look in his eyes, I knew it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And, um, he explained that we were going to have to go back to surgery. So September 23rd, I had my left tissue expander removed. Very dark place in my life Mm. because everything was happening so easy for me. There were no hiccups. So this was my first hiccup. And, you know, I I had a great support team that supported me, encouraged me, reminded me that there's more to life than breasts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I felt I'd gotten to the place I needed to be. And so I finally got myself together, trucked along. October comes along. I participate, making strides against breast cancer walk. First time as a survivor. Woke up that morning, looked at myself in the mirror, and I noticed something about my right breast. Oh, wow. And I said, God, I just need you to let me get through this walk. Mm. I have family. I have my line sisters coming down from Fredericksburg to rally me on, walk and cheer and celebrate me. This is a great day for me. I just want to get through this. And God did just that. But when I came back that night, I realized something was wrong. Mm. Got my surgeon on the phone, ended up in his office the very next day, two days later, back in surgery. And it was at that time, the look was different. Mm -hmm. It was the look of disappointment that now for a second time, I'm back in his office, but also this is really bad. And I said, what is it? And he said, we have to get it out of you. And I said, and if we don't, what he says, Lenarda, we have to get it out of you. Or I said, I could die. Wow. So it was at that moment, I had to remind myself that I came into his office as a breast cancer patient for reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And I was thankful that he wasn't the type of plastic surgeon that was like, oh, okay, in a couple months, I'm going to take you back in because I had the hypothetical questions. So hypothetically, what would happen, you know, in a normal situation? And he reminded me in a normal situation, three months down, I would take you back into surgery, but you came in as a breast cancer patient. Mm -hmm. What's more important to me is for you to get well and to move on to radiation so that this cancer does not recur. Right. And I said, okay, 
So that was it. Um, we had the tissue, I had the tissue expander removed and November 21st, I started my radiation therapy. Um, I had a total of 34 mm. sessions. The last six were boost therapy um, radiation where they actually got very close to where the actual tumor was. And I completed that January 10th of last year. Wow. I have been flat now for about 15 months. Okay. So you had an infection in both, both sides. You had an infection. Yes. Let me ask you a question. You had a picture that you allowed us to have on the reel. And there was one where you exposed your breast and it looked like, I was like, oh, she must've had nipple sparing. Cause it looked like yeah. your nipple was spared. Um, and just how they did the surgery. However, was that also infected at the time or that was just from the nipple sparing and it was. Yes. More yeah. of the nipple sparing. Um, yeah. The, the discoloration. Mm -hmm. So what actually happened was that skin shed into mm -hmm. new skin. Okay. So, I wasn't infected at that time, that particular, the picture that you're talking about, I was still, yeah, I had had the. It looked like right after surgery. Yes, yes, much. right after for the most part, yes. Okay, and so you've had both of the expanders taken out, so yes. you've been flat. Yes. All this time, which I had no clue. So yes, I use enhancements. Yeah. And, um, I use those, um, but I have been flat for 15 months. Wow. Well, you know, my story too. Yes. So, yeah. Very much flat over here as well. So are you planning or you haven't made up your mind? Cause it's, it's a very personal choice. And a lot of people are like, well, what did you do? What, but it's so personal. Um, in the sense of it's our decision to stay flat or to use enhancements or to go back and get surgery again, there's always that option. Do you think you'll get reconstruction again or are you okay with how you are and you're not doing any more surgery? So I've thought about reconstruction. I've consulted with a new plastic surgeon um, to see what my options are. I did that last year. And right now, the most healthiest option for me is BEEP. Yeah. Black yeah, yeah, yeah. Surgery. Yep. And we know that that is a major surgery. Yeah. So, you know, I go back and forth. I want to make sure I'm making the right decision. Sometimes mm -hmm. I ask myself, do I really want to put my body back through that? You know, I'm at a point in my life now where in the beginning, it was hard for me to look at myself. Mm. You know, when my mother was here bathing me and helping me change in bandage, bandages, I would always look away. But mm. then I finally got to the point where I was able to look at myself and be comfortable with what I saw. Right. And I could only chop it up to be that this was necessary for me to still be here. So I don't know. I, I, I often say if it's not done by 50, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, I, I really don't know, because at the end of the day, you know, unless I share that mm -hmm. I'm using enhancements, no one knows. Nobody. And I was very fortunate enough. You know, my partner during this journey encouraged me, always told me how beautiful I was. And the most important thing to him was having me on this side of Earth. Breast meant nothing, mm -hmm. you know, but again, it's easy to hear that, but when you're the person that have gone through it, it's kind of hard because there are days, no matter how strong I am in my faith, there are days I have looked in the mirror and I have said, did I really have breast cancer? Did this really happen to me? Am I dreaming? You know, when am I going to wake up? Somebody just wake me up. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's been a part of my life journey. Yeah. So I'm excited. And, and God is definitely using it as your test, you know, part of your testimony. You're helping so many people. And I just thank you for your vulnerability and your transparency right now, even sharing 
about that um, far as the decision making, because we do, we, you've had, if you go flat, you can always go back and have more surgeries. Um, thank goodness that's still an option. We can go back and get different surgeries or get whatever we need at it. But at the same time, like you stated, some days it's like, mm, you know, it's hard to wrap our minds around it. And speaking of that, can you speak to the fact of like, how is life now for you far as, because a lot of people think that once you go through treatment, once you've had your radiation, your chemo, your surgeries, oh, you're great now. Congratulations. You're moved on. And that's not the case for many of us. Now, there are some people, they they don't look back. I'm not saying look back, but they don't go to the doctor anymore. And that's to each their own. But at the same time, for many of us, we're still going to the doctor. We're still yeah. having a daily reminder of what we've been through. Because like you stated, it's <clears throat> a part of us. And we look at our bodies every day. Yes. These scars are not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, so can you speak to how you are now and how that transition because the other piece to that is like we have our support team medical team and then all of a sudden it's like they're not there anymore like they were and that was hard um because they're almost like a security blanket so yeah. how how was that transition for you so for me life after cancer um to be honest hasn't changed that much okay. because I was determined to fight. Mm -hmm. I was determined not to allow cancer to get the best of me. Like you stated, my medical team and support team was my security blanket. Mm -hmm. I knew every week, every other week or so, I was going to be in my radiation oncologist's office, my breast surgeon's office. And I don't have that. So it's almost like a sense of being lost. But I still go to the doctor. I, I'm now seeing my breast surgeon every six months. Of course, I'm on tamoxifen um, for the next five to 10 years. So I see my medical oncologist every three months. Um, as far as side effects and things of that sort, so I didn't have chemotherapy, but I have brain fog. I'm not as energetic as I was before. Um, I just started going back to the gym. I could possibly do two miles on the treadmill. So I'm not back out there running. Haven't really tried to run because sometimes I'm out of breath. Right. You know, so I do have my support system. Mm -hmm. They check on me all the time. I, I find it very therapeutic to talk to them, you know, I, I have a breast cancer support group over at the Hawthorne Center that um, I go to on Wednesdays. I, I joined a um, breast cancer support group on Facebook for brown skin, um, women with breast cancer. So, mm -hmm. you know, although our journeys are totally different, we all experience similar things on this journey. So I find myself encouraging others. Um, I find myself being encouraged by others because when I look at that particular platform and it's anyone from stage zero to stage mm -hmm. four, and here I am at stage two. Yep. So, you know, that alone, I'm like, thank you, God. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, I just feel all that I have gone through it was just God showing me what my healing mm. looked like, what it was going to take to get to my healing. Because I believed early on from the moment I asked him to heal me that I was healed. Mm. And I said, if you healed me, I would be a blessing to someone else. And in order for me to be a blessing to someone else, I have to be transparent mm -hmm. and I have to share my journey. And that is what I find myself doing over and over and over again. Love it. I love it. And what you said about a lot of people think because chemotherapy. Okay, I went through chemo, so I have chemo brain. And it's not to take, as I always say, it's not to take away from the fact that chemo does not, chemo definitely does affect the brain because it affects all cells. Radiation can affect you. Anesthesiology 
the anesthesia, anesthesia can affect you. All these things that we go through can affect us. However, they are doing studies now showing that PTSD um, is the reason why we have what's now turned from chemo brain, they're starting to call it more cognitive impairment. Mm -hmm. Because I think every person I've interviewed, whether they've had chemo or not, now the chemo patients probably have a little bit more, but have still had, it's just very difficult to acclimate yourself back into work and back into, you know, socialize. And then with the surgery that you had, and I know, and I can speak to this, having a double mastectomy myself, it is very difficult when we do cardio because our lungs are expanding and you got scar tissue that is trying to expand through. So it's a lot of pressure there. And so everything that you said, a lot of people don't realize that after what they deem as us being done, we're not. We still have to come in contact with these different things that are going on with us mentally and physically. And so thank <laughs> you for sharing that because that's a big factor that a lot of people do not understand is the mental part of going through this. Because you can have all the faith in the world, yes. but there's times where you're alone and you're crying and you're dealing with this by yourself with God, of course. Yes. And it, I think in those times though, he definitely does, um, he molds us and he shapes us and it's okay to, it's okay to have questions because he's right there for us. And I just think your story is so beautiful and definitely engulfing every aspect of your spiritual journey. Like you stated, you didn't, you know, you had some days where you were low yes. and that's important to share that as well, as well as those days that's like, yeah, I'm fighting hard, but sometimes you, you you're tired. And yeah. And I think that was the thing, something you alluded to earlier. For me, strong individual, always being there for someone else. But this was a moment in my life where I had to allow other people to step in yep. and be there for me. And that took a lot. Mm -hmm. that, that took a lot for me to really just surrender and say, okay. I trust that you're going to do it the mm -hmm. way I would expect it to be done. I trust you're going to advocate and really be there for me. But that was really hard for me. It, it was really hard. And, and I think when I look back, the one thing that I can say is that my faith did something to my support team. Mm -hmm. Because them seeing the faith that I had really helped them mm -hmm. grow stronger in their faith. Because I didn't care what the doctors were saying. I just knew how crazy God was about me. And I would often tell them, okay, but you don't, you don't understand. He's crazy about me. And he's going to show you guys. He's mm -hmm. going to show you guys just how much he loved me. But, you know, that was just my whole thought process throughout it, you know, just allowing other people to come in and love on me and do the things that I have been doing for years, pouring so much of myself out into mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And that's so hard. So, so, so very hard. So very hard. And that vulnerability piece is something that um, I remember, uh, one of my friends were having, was having a conversation with me and I said, at this point, I am trusting God in order to trust everybody else <laughs> because I had a problem of letting go the control aspect of it as well. You know, we've been in control of certain aspects of our education, this, that, and the third, and then just like, oh, your health, you have no control at all. Um, you have to sit it down and really, really hear God and trust him right? for every aspect of you and everyone around you. And I think, um, cause we can walk by faith and faith without works as we know is dead. However, to trust someone is a whole nother level. Yes. And, uh, that, that place that you're talking about, I so definitely can relate to that, especially being the one that, yeah, you're, you're there for everybody. Yeah. So is there anything else that you want to share? I'm going to get to your song. Um, but is there anything else that you want to share? Anything you're doing? Anything you're getting ready to do? Share. Anything I am just doing? What's that? Anything that AKAs are doing? Because I know y'all always doing stuff. 
<laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Serving so our communities, of course. Yeah. Um, we are getting ready for our um, annual regional conference in okay. April. That's in Charlotte. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. And I think you have, yes, you have some sisters on tonight. I'm looking at the, their, um, you have to go back and look at the things that people are typing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is great. So what else, um, anywhere where people could reach out to you or do you have like any uh, website or Facebook page or anything that you want people to communicate with you through? Um, I'm on, um, I have two social media platforms, Facebook. I can be found there by typing in Lenarda Cherie Brown and I'm on Instagram and um, you can type in Lenarda Brown to okay. find. Is there anything else that you want to share? Cause you know, this is your story. This is your time. I just want to say that our scars do speak to who we are and what we have been through. And for any young woman, seasoned woman that's watching this live tonight, I know a lot of times people feel that for me, I'm not, I'm a private person, but as I stated earlier, this is what I promise God. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we go through this journey and we just bottle up our feelings and we put it on the shelf. It's okay to share your journey. You never know who out there might be experiencing what you have gone through. And until you open up and share the goodness of God, nobody will be able to know, you know, what God could do for them if, you know, so I, I just truly believe that we have to really speak mm -hmm. to who we really are mm -hmm. and, and, you know, own it. Uh, we hear breast cancer and we automatically equate it to a death sentence. Mm -hmm. I didn't state this earlier, but every doctor's appointment, I was dressed. I never proclaimed to be sick. Mm. Never. And so I just want to say, this is just a part of your life's journey. No matter what stage, if you have faith to fight and believe, and if you just feed your spirit with positivity, you will overcome breast cancer. I love it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, so you had a song and you yes. know, you had a song with your reel. So I would love for you to tell us the name of your song and then also who the artist is and why you chose it. So the name of my song is Goodness of God by CC Winings. And for as long as I can remember, God has been has been forever faithful to me. And so when I had this hiccup in my life, I knew that God had me. God has been everything that I have needed him to be. And so learning of my diagnoses, this song resonated within my spirit and I have clung to it ever since then. Because all of my life, yeah. he's been so, so good. Mm. Yes, he has. Lord knows. Um, so your word, you know, I asked everybody to share a word, a word of encouragement, which you've shared so much tonight, which I love. But what is something, maybe one word, it may be two words, however many, but a word that you can leave with everyone that has maybe encouraged you or maybe can encourage them as they're going through their healing process of some wounds or scars that they look at every day that they just, they might can't look at them because they're still battling with what has happened or what is happening. What is something that you can leave with everyone and why you chose that word? I've repeatedly used this word throughout this interview. My word is faith. If 
you are going to fight and win this battle, you have to have faith. You have to believe and trust in something or someone. Faith that you can and faith that you will win. I love it. I love it. So I would like to leave you with something. Um, and that is when I when I look at your Facebook, or, well, your Instagram, I had a conversation with you. Even though it was a small, very small conversation, first of all, you have a glow about you, which I know where that glow comes from. Some people may not know, but you know, we believe in the same God yes. and the same Holy Trinity. So I know where that, when I looked at you, I knew where that came from. I knew it wasn't just, oh, she's a happy person and she's a smiling person. No, it's a glow about you. It's like him shine, him shining through you and shining on you. And so when I also heard you talk tonight, at first I thought warrior and I was like, nope, 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 nope. God, he quinked my, he just like, nope, that's not it. You're a servant of God. You're a servant. You're not just a disciple. You're not just, you know, even though they're servants, but you are a servant of God. And not only a servant of God, you're a friend of God. And you can hear it by the way that you talk. And the way that not only it's not just lip service with you, like you really believe and you know who he is in your life and you want to share that with everyone. So you are a servant of God and it exemplifies and how you move, how you speak, just who you are as a person. But I also want to share with you that even though you have gone through what you've gone through, even though we are still, you know, certain aspects going through still even today and not just about cancer, but just life in general, just remember, just remember as you're a servant, allow people to continue to hold your arms up. And I always go back to the story of Moses and Aaron and Ur because you have those Aaron's and you have those Ur's. Just don't forget to allow them to hold you up sometimes when you can't hold yourself up. And even Jesus had a man on the side of the road who helped him bear his cross. So we have to remember that as too, as well as too, because you're a servant. So because you serve, you pour out mm -hmm. and don't forget to allow people to continue to pour into you, which I know you won't because you've already been through some stuff where you had to have people pour into you. So we learned that lesson, but sometimes we can still get caught up in things in life and he just loves you and he adores you. And you know that you're the you're, you're the apple of his eye. He, you know, you're King's kid. So my thing is continue to serve and continue to be restored as you serve. And that's my word for you tonight. Thank you. And God bless you, Christina. <laughs> Thank you so much for being up here. Well, this is another episode of Our Scars Speak, and we thank each and every one of you who've come, who watched tonight or who will listen in the future. And remember that our scars do speak a story. I don't know when you're supposed to tell your story. I hope you will, though, one day share it because your story will help someone whose wounds need to be healed. So remember that as you continue to battle with the scars, the wounds that you have, that story that you have will help another heal. So thank you very much. I love you all and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Scars Speak, and we hope you can join us again real soon. Meanwhile, remember that our mental and physical scars speak a story that can help heal the wounds of another.